Today, I have a special guest with me. I have the post-game man for the Washington Nationals Radio Network, and that is Mr. Craig Heist himself. And we are going to be discussing spring training for the Washington Nationals and much more right after this. You are Locked On Nationals, your daily Washington Nationals podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And thank you for making Locked On Nationals your first listen every day as we are free and available wherever you get your podcasts. I'm your host, Ryan Clary, and I have taken my passion for this team in a podcast form here with the Locked On Podcast Network where you get your team every single day. And that's what we do this second as I bring in Craig Heist, the post-game show host. For the Washington Nationals over on 106.7 The Fan. Craig, how we doing? I'm doing well, Ryan. What's going on, man? Not much. And again, we're just going to pretend like we did not just see each other one minute ago and that we are in the same building. We've done this before. So, just we just saw each other. Just did. Yeah, <laughs> All right. So, obviously, there's a lot to get to. and But we discussed this earlier today off the record. But, man, how about Mackenzie Gore? For his first inning as a Washington National. And obviously it's only one inning. But then again, he flashed the ceiling that we thought we could be getting out of Mackenzie Gore once we traded for him at the deadline. Yeah, and absolutely. And, you know, I think about what he is going to bring to this club this year, uh, Ryan. I think a lot of this is expected out of him since coming over here with the trade last year. Uh, But here's a guy that, you know, did it and was very efficient doing it. In his outing, and I think, uh, you know, the one thing that Dave Martinez and Jim Hickey talked to all the pitchers, not just McKenzie, but all the pitchers before spring training started, was how they wanted them to throw strikes, work faster. And it harkens back to my days uh, covering the Orioles when Ray Miller was the pitching coach, uh, and and he always used to say, you know, the whole the whole key to good pitching is work fast, change speeds, throw strikes. And if you do that, uh, you have you give yourself a better opportunity to stay in the game and a better opportunity for your team to win games. And I think going forward, it's going to be – now, granted, we're only three games into this uh, spring training, but so far, so good for everybody who's taken the mound uh, for Dave Martinez, including Gore, who got the start in the exhibition opener, uh, you know, at, at uh, West Palm. So – It'll be interesting to see what happens the rest of the way as they try to formulate how this pitching rotation is going to set up. And then, you know, the guys in the bullpen going through the same formula of, you know, they, they you know, get out there and throw strikes. Yeah. You have to this year with the pitch clock. And uh, if you can do that, and we've already seen some pickups on both sides with the pitch clock this year, not in Nats games, but in some other games in spring training. So, See where it all takes us. Yeah, and you know what? You brought something up because I do want to get your thoughts on these new rules, really, that have been started out this year. But when it comes to the pitch clock, I think there is nothing worse out there. And I understand the benefit of it. You know, they want to cut down on game time. They want to cut down on on just dead time in general when it comes to baseball. 
But then again, I just feel like it's so unnatural to have a pitch clock to go off. And then to see a team lose that way, like the Atlanta Braves this past week, I think this pitch clock is actually really bad when it comes to pitching. And I think it's going to take a lot of time for them to adjust. I don't don't think you're going to be able to really tell until the regular season starts and games start counting for real. Now, the younger pitchers on, on major league clubs have seen some form of this in the minor leagues. So they'll adapt a lot better and a lot quicker than will veteran pitchers. It'll be interesting mm-hmm. to see what happens when veteran pitchers are told, you know, hurry it up or, you know, to stay in the box. But certainly from a veteran standpoint, it's going to be easier for the younger guys as opposed to some of the veterans uh, that are out there. And that's something we'll all have to wait and see how it plays out. Uh, but, you know, so far, so good. The Nationals have played three games as we speak. They played a split squad game uh, on Sunday, uh, one in Port St. Lucie against the Mets, the other one against the Astros down in West Palm. And then they played the Cardinals in the first game, the one Mackenzie Gore pitched up in Jupiter on Saturday. Now, all of those three games – they were played in under two and a half hours, and there was one that was two hours and seven minutes. So, so far, so good in terms of time in the game. And I know that's a big thing that Major League Baseball wants to try to do is make these games a little more interesting and a little bit shorter. But, you know, the game is the game. And mm-hmm. that's why, you know, you said you don't like it. That's why I'm kind of against it myself. Going, you know, because. I just think they're messing with messing with the rules. And, and I think one of the rules that was going to go away and then didn't, it came back mm-hmm. and they put it in it is the runner at second base to start extra. Oh, innings. I, yeah. I, and that rule. I can't either. And, you know, I mean, the second base runner on second base, in my opinion, like then again, we know we know what their goal is. The goal for them is they want to cut down on game time. They feel as if if you can get that game to two and a half hours, they feel like they will actually have a bigger audience when it comes to watching the game. Now, if you ask me, I think that's ridiculous. I don't think 30 minutes between a game finishing and not finishing makes a difference between someone actually wanting to watch the game. You know? And like I don't think so either. And, and We'll see how it all plays out. Now, the one thing I can tell you, if we go back to the pitching for just a second, mm-hmm. the Nationals walked 558 batters last year, and that was the fifth most in the majors. It's a lot. They, they simply can't afford to do that this year. If they want to compete and win baseball games, and you're coming off a 100-plus loss season uh, of a year ago, uh, and you look at what they've done over these first three games, uh, you're talking about, 26 innings, uh, they've walked only five batters. And that's a long way into keeping the other team off the scoreboard uh, because, you know, there's there's nothing worse than a leadoff walk in baseball. You know, yeah. a lot of those runners come around to score. So if you're not giving up free passes, you make the other team earn it. That's that's the biggest thing I think Davey Martinez and Jim Hickey are trying to drive through to their their pitchers. And that's a good point. You know, last year, Josiah Gray led the National League in base on balls when it comes to giving them up. And that was a, I mean, that was honestly his second 
biggest problem when it comes to it because he led the entire major leagues when it comes to giving up home runs. And, and that, and that game in, in Port St. Lucie against the Mets, Josiah had a one, two, three inning on nine pitches. Yep. <laughs> and he looked amazing. And that's where I was going to be going with this next. If Josiah Gray can get to be for what we thought he could be, if he can have and reach that potential that he has, how big is that for the Washington Nationals in 2023? Well, it's huge, especially if he can take that next step. I mean, I, I think everybody thinks the stuff is there. He topped out at 97 uh, yesterday uh, in the game against the Mets. So, you know, again, this is all this is all a part of the maturation process. Uh, and one of the guys that they really need to kind of step up this year because that was a huge part of that trade from the Dodgers. He and Cabert Ruiz mm-hmm. come here uh, for Trey Turner and, uh, uh, you know, uh, Max Scherzer. Yeah. Or Scherzer left and went to – and isn't that ironic? Both yeah. of those traded are no longer with the Dodgers. I know. And that's that's actually – that makes me feel good. That does make me feel really good. But all right, Heisey, I want to leave you off with this one. And then uh, I got to talk about some MLB prospects and the latest on MLB Pipeline and their rankings for the Washington Nationals. I'll have that. But before, Heisey, if the Washington Nationals had any sort of success in 2023, what will it be because? Uh, I think the youth that's on this club, you think about, C.J. Abrams, uh, and, you know, again, you want to see Caber take the next step and become the catcher. Everybody thinks he can be Josiah Gray. It's going to be fascinating to watch Mackenzie Gore uh, get into it, but it's still going to always, and it always does with every team. It comes down to pitching and defense. You know, you, you we, we talked about it. Work fast, throw strikes, change speeds, you know, keep, don't give up outs. Catch the ball. That's another thing. And it'll be interesting to see, too, how good this defense is because when your pitchers are working ahead in the count and they're throwing strikes, it makes your defense that much better. Everybody's kind of on their toes. They're able to stay mentally in the game. And sometimes we didn't see that last year. This was not a very good defensive club last year. I think with some of the rule changes, especially from the pitching standpoint, this might help this club be a little bit better defensively this year. So we'll wait and see what happens going forward. But, uh, uh, again, you, you look at this division and you look at what the Mets are all about and you look at what the Phillies are all about. And keep in mind, they won't have Bryce Harper until about the middle of the year. But mm-hmm. Atlanta, they obviously are, are one of the top teams in, in, in all of baseball. You know, and, and Miami – who knows what to expect out of them with all the changes and everything. But again, this is a real tough division. I arguably said it was the best division in all of baseball last year. Some say the American league East, and you could certainly make that case. But in this division, uh, the one thing that is going to change this year is the scheduling because you're not going to have those 18, 19, well, there's 19 games against everybody else in your own division this year. It's going to be a lot more spread out. And, you know, those those are all great points, you know. And when I think about the NL East, you know, the Phillies won't have Bryce Harper up until middle, mid-June, July maybe. But you know who they did add, Craig Heist? They added Trey Turner. Yeah. <laughs> 
that kills us just a little bit here in Washington, D.C. <laughs> That's <Yeah>. for sure. <laughs> and we always thought maybe Juan Soto would find a way to make his way back to the East as well. Oh, but it's going to happen. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll wait and see what happens there. But, uh, yeah, I mean, tough division. Nats got their work cut out for them. Uh, health is always a big deal, Ryan. Uh, mm-hmm. You want guys healthy. Uh, we'll see what happens. I mean, you know, Victor Robles, too, I want to say, is another big, big thing for this club going forward. We all know what Victor is capable of defensively. The bottom line now is, and Dave Martinez has told him, Mike Rizzo has told him, you know, this is the year that you have to produce offensively, and we'll see what happens. Now, C.J. Abrams, we saw come over here and play Really good defense last year. Yeah. We know what his athletic ability is like at shortstop. And I thought when he's sitting up on the top of the lineup last year, uh, got off to a real slow start, but then picked it up. But now in spring training, we hear that Davey Martinez might take a little bit of the pressure off of him and hit him in the lower third of the order. That's something to watch as spring training continues as you move toward uh, the regular season opener. Those are all great points, and especially the C.J. Abrams one, him batting at the end of the lineup. I actually have some thoughts on that that I'll get into later in the week. But, Craig, I always appreciate the time, man. I know you need to run, so you have a good one, all right? All right, Ryan. Thanks for having me. Thank you. And that was Craig Heist over from 106.7 The Fan. He hosts the post-game show and as well as some mixed-in Nationals content from here and there that you can hear exclusively over on 1067 the fan but now i gotta get back into some nationals news as i know some people some people meaning myself maybe not being myself could be a little head scratchy you could say after watching these prospect lists come out but i got some thoughts on mlb pipeline releasing their fresh new 2023 MLB prospects list. But before you guys got to take a look at my friends at built bar. Are you looking for a, for a delicious treat, but don't want all the fat and calories. Then you got to try a built bar. We just got through the holidays. and I know my goal is to eat a little bit healthier this year. And if you're just like me, which I think you are, then you need all the good stuff, the high protein. You need the macros, everything in built bar is just simply amazing. And they come in unbelievable flavors like churro, peanut butter, brownie, and coconut almond. I'm not sure how Built does it, but these bars taste like a candy bar while maintaining amazing macros. And what's even better is that they are healthy. Only 130 calories and 4 grams of sugar with a whopping 17 grams of protein. And you don't need to wait around to get a box. For years, we've talked about going to BuiltBar.com, but now you can get them at your local Sam's Club and as well as Walmart. If you go to Walmart, pick them up at the pharmacy section and grab yourself a box, please. It's a four-bar box, and you can pick from flavors like cookies and cream, double chocolate, or even coconut puffs. And if you're close to a Sam's Sam's Club, grab a 13-bar box with the hit flavors, brownie batter, and churro. Guys, per usual, you can thank me later. And now we get back 
into talking about these latest prospect rankings. As honestly, when I checked these out, I was it wasn't really that I was stumped in what I thought the Nationals could be and should be. But then again, I was looking at these in some of the this is actually what Nats Farm put out over on Twitter. You can follow Nats Farm over on Twitter. But from where they've ranked, as as far as did someone make a jump? Did someone take a skyfall? What happened with some of these guys? So guys like James Wood, who was originally the number three prospect in the organization, took a jump up to the number one prospect in in the Nationals farm system. <clears throat> but then again, you get guys like Brady House, who stayed the same at number five. But then again, you look at guys like Yarlin Susanna, who jumped from number eight to number six. You saw Jeremy De La Rosa jump from 10 to then number eight. But also what I saw the biggest jump with, and Nats Farm pointed this out over on Twitter as well, TJ White jumped from 21 to 10 in the Washington Nationals rankings. And honestly, what I get from that and what I love from that when it comes to the Washington Nationals is that some of these guys and a lot of these guys aren't even first-round picks. They weren't the first pick of the litter. And that is what good organizations do. That's what a lot of great organizations do, in fact. Teams like the Braves, they don't need a top first-round pick to collect talent. The Dodgers, they don't need a top end-of-the-first-round pick. You can be able to create your own products with just your home-baked goods that you have in the draft. And so when I see this with the Nationals, I look at guys like James Wood, who we know, second-round pick. He was not a first-round pick. Guys like Yarlin Susanna, who was a high international prospect, but then again, he wasn't some made commodity coming out of the Dominican Republic. Jeremy De La Rosa, again, not a made commodity. Christian Vaccaro was a very high prospect coming out of the Nationals organization. Then you look at Jake Bennett, a second-round pick out of Oklahoma in 2022. Again, not a first-round pick. T.J. White, a fifth-round pick in the 2021 MLB draft. So looking at it, those are three, four, five-type guys who aren't just first-round picks in the organization, and not even to mention the fact that the Nationals will have the the second overall pick rather, in the 2023 MLB draft. And then you're going to have the second pick overall in each and every round moving forward just after that. This is what we like to see. This is what this 2023 season is all about. And I'm not just going to make everything about a prospect ranking. Because then again, if you were to talk about Juan Soto, he was not supposed to be what Juan Soto is today. You talk about Trey Turner. He was not supposed to be that. Any of these guys, a lot of these guys who are stars in Major League Baseball and who were stars for the Washington Nationals, they weren't made out to be guaranteed stuff. And that's what we have gotten so far over the years under Mike Rizzo and this front office staff. So when I saw this, I did want to talk about the big names like James Wood, Robert Hassel, Elijah Green, all these big, big 
name guys that we know and that people discuss about all the time when it comes to blogging, tweeting, whatever it may be. But guys, the fact that it's not just first round picks, it's not just layup answers here. You have guys like TJ White who are starting to actually perform and develop down in the minor leagues. Jeremy De La Rosa starting to perform, starting to develop. You saw him get a hit the other day in a spring training game. And again, for only 21 years old, for someone who really just broke out in the 2022 season and had a monster year down in the minor leagues, this is what we want to see. And also, I kind of forgot about this, but this is why spring training is actually fun. We get to see all these guys together. We're not going to see this for a while now. So you could actually make an argument to say one of these games, you're going to have nine guys on that team that will be part of your lineup for that postseason run. It's not going to be all nine of them, but the core of the guys at some point should and could be up there in spring training eventually in a game together. And that is going to be a sight to see that I certainly will have covered for when that time comes. It's no guaranteed factor, but then again, how about that? So Thank you guys for making Locked On Nationals your first listen every day. Now you have to go check out Locked On Fantasy Baseball hosted by Matt and Dom, and they bring you all the fantasy news as it is fantasy draft season, guys. You got to get ready for the draft. It's an easy one. You listen to them. They'll get you covered. And, of course, you find that podcast wherever you get your podcasts. So now I want to talk about some of these weird, well, not weird. Let's just start by ripping off the Band-Aid. Kiber Ruiz last week left Scott Boris and then decided to join on with Octagon Sports, which if you aren't aware, it is a agency group with Major League Baseball. And now what has happened again? Luis Garcia has now jumped ship as well from Scott Boris in the Octagon Sports. Now, there's two takeaways from this. One, you know how I feel about Scott Boris. You know how I feel about that man. I'm not a Scott Boris guy. Not a single bit. So now you have two players and two pieces to your future who could be ultra valuable when it's all said and done. I already count Kiber Ruiz as a very reliable asset moving forward with the Nationals. I think Luis Garcia has got something to prove. And of course, I'll be talking about him as more as we keep on going with spring training. But now he's jumping ship from Scott Boris. What does this mean? What does this mean about the Nationals and the organization with how they work with Scott Boris? Is it because it's the Nationals? Or was it just a simple preference of Luis Garcia and Kibert Ruiz wanting to switch agents. Well, here's my thing. Scott Boris wants to do what Scott Boris wants to do. What he does and what we all know him for is he's going to let you go to free agency. He's going to refuse for you to sign any sort of extension with that said team until you hit the market. And why does he want you to hit the market? Because if you're a prize prospect or if you're, just a hot commodity when it comes to free agency, well, teams are going to be calling. Teams are going to want you. 
And when those teams want you, guess what? There's more demand for your product. And your product then, ching, ching, goes up. It goes up. You're more valuable. You're going to get more money. Well, that also doesn't work out all the time. Guys like Cody Bellinger, who I'm sure have been offered the world when it comes to contract extensions after that 2019 season. He obviously said, nah, look at him now. He ended up getting DFA'd this offseason, signed on with the Cubs, looking to bounce back. There are other options like Cody Bellinger. When you look at it, like, hey, is this the smartest thing in the world to do? To stick around with Scott Boris? We know what he wants to do. But can he actually execute it when it's said and done? Because it is a gamble. If you gamble on yourself going into free agency, which is what Scott Boris wants to do, then you're risking on not only your health, but if you're going to perform as well as you once did. And if guess what? If you do perform as well as you did, then you're going to get a nice payday. And that's what Scott Boris is there for. But if you don't, then guess what? You're left hanging. So this is good for Nationals fans and the Washington Nationals organization in general. I know they've talked about how they have a nice working relationship with Scott Boris, but... Come on. Are we going to buy that at this point? Bryce Harper, Steven Strasburg. I, I, let's go on and on and on about the Scott Boris clients who have left you. Anthony Renda, all of them. Every single one. This is a good thing. This is a good thing for Nationals fans. We still got to take some steps before we can actually run with this. But if you were looking for a destination for actually extending some of your prize Nationals products, then guess what? This just opened the door for Kiber Ruiz and Luis Garcia. They are not just guaranteed to go hit the open market if they ever become some superstar, because we know what superstars do in this market after they get to free agency. We know what happens, and we don't want to see that happen yet again. So... Thank you for making Locked On Nationals your first listen. Now for your second listen, check out Locked On Fantasy Baseball. Win your league by listening to Matt and Dom every day as they bring you the best fantasy strategies that you can find on Locked On Fantasy Baseball. And of course, that pod is free and available wherever you get your podcast and on YouTube. Part of the Locked On Podcast where you get your team every single day. And again, guys, I will talk to you tomorrow. I'll have all the latest when it comes to this Washington Nationals team in spring training as we are in full go mode moving forward.